Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Really thankful that uh, Pastor Josh has given me the opportunity to speak this morning. Um, I, I enjoy preaching, I enjoy uh, teaching, and so I, th- I think it's going to be good. Um, we're going to be looking this morning uh, from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. We'll get into that passage uh, in a minute. Uh, but what I love about Romans uh, is that it has a lot of great theology, you know, good uh, good theology in, in Romans. I enjoy theology myself, you know. Uh, I like to think, and theology is about thinking. You know, some people say, what do you like to do in your free time? Maybe they like to do yard work. Maybe they like to cook. Maybe they... Uh, like to exercise. What do you like to do, O'Neill? Uh, I like to think, you know. <laughs> what did you do this afternoon? Ah, uh, I thought a little bit. Um, so anyway, that gives you a little insight into me. Uh, but but theology, you know, sometimes we can kind of go into one of two camps. Uh, sometimes with theology, we can go into the camp of, I don't need theology. You know, all I need is Jesus. I don't need theology. Well, um, Jesus talked a lot about theology in the gospel. So uh, that idea that uh, I just I just need Jesus, I don't need theology, um, you know, that has a spirit over it of, of ignorance and idolatry. And I'm not putting labels on people. I'm not trying to uh, shame people. But if, if we say we don't need theology, then really what we're saying is, I don't need to know about the character of God. I don't need to know about how God relates to himself, how he relates to us. That's ignorance, you know, and it's idolatry in that uh, if we're worshiping God without theology, we're worshiping our image of God, right? Who we think he is and uh, how we want him to be. So that's idolatry. Then you can get into the other camp where theology is the be all end all, right? It's the everything, you know. Um, When I was at seminary, uh, I encountered some guys like this about every hour and um, you know, they're kind of like the theology police, right? It's their job to make sure everybody's theology is right. And the interesting thing is they always have the right theology, and anybody that's different than them has the wrong theology. And the problem with that is it, it has a spirit over it of accusation and arrogance, right? And so you're always pointing out your theology is bad, this is bad, you know, all of that. Um, so what's good theology? Uh, I'm not going to try to explain that this morning, but but... What I do know about theology is that it it can't uh, be used to create an an image of God that we want him to be, and it can't be used to beat people up, you know. You can't go to either of those extremes. What it has to do is it has to be uh, tethered and anchored to the fruit of the Spirit, right? What's good theology? Well, good theology is theology that lines up with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it also has to uh, spur us on to loving God more deeply and to loving others, right? So if you're doing that, and and really the the thing is theology, it it is partly a head issue, but it's also a heart issue, right? And so uh, you can can think, quote unquote, the right things, uh, but if your heart isn't uh, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, if your life isn't bearing the fruit of the Spirit, if you're not loving God more deeply and loving people more deeply, you can believe orthodox theology and have bad theology, you know. And so uh, Romans uh, 8, 12 through 17, if we'll bring up the, the, the passage, uh, this has good 
good theology if we ground it in the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. All who live according to the Spirit. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That's awesome. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Back in the the Old Testament, uh, Romans is in the New Testament, uh, Genesis, first book in the Bible in the Old Testament, chapters 1, chapters 2 of Genesis, we read about, you know, the world coming into being, life coming into being, creation of Adam and Eve. Back in the uh, spring, early summer, Pastor Josh was doing a, a awesome series over covenants, right? And how God is a, a God of covenants. And we, we see the first covenant uh, in the Bible, the covenant that God made with, with Adam, right? And he made this covenant with Adam, uh, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, then in Genesis chapter 3, we read about uh, the the fall of man and where um, sin came into the world. And really what happened in Genesis 3, God established this original covenant, the, the pure covenant, in uh, chapter 2. In chapter 3, Adam and Eve uh, came in and uh, joined with an alternate covenant, right? When they listened to the enemy, uh, they they stepped out from under this covenant that God had established for them, and they stepped into this covenant that the enemy was offering for them, right? And getting into a little theology here, but what, what I would believe is that uh, when Adam and Eve entered into that covenant, they entered it for you and they entered it for me as well, right? Uh, they, they brought us in to that covenant with them. And the thing is, you know, uh, the enemy came to them and what he wanted them to believe uh, is that God was holding out on them, right? That God was shortchanging them, that God wasn't giving them everything that, that they were worth uh, getting. So they thought when they entered this parallel, this alternate covenant, they thought they were getting control. They thought they were getting a higher level of knowledge. They thought they were getting equal standing with God. Uh, And we still strive for those same things today, right? If we're apart from the Spirit, uh, those are the things that we're still looking for and still uh, pushing for and and, and pressing for. Uh, But instead of getting what they thought they were getting, what they got was fear. What they got was jealousy. What they got was a spirit of accusation, right? I mean, uh, that's one of the most, to, to me, striking things in Genesis 3 is this spirit of accusation that comes into the world between Adam and Eve, right? Adam blamed uh, Eve, accusing her. Eve blamed, you know, uh, the serpent, uh, accusing him. And so, uh, man, maybe that's one of the most powerful things that we're battling in this day and age, especially in the day age of social media and uh, 
You know, the thing about social media that we have to be careful with is it's a platform to communicate with zero accountability, right? And so uh, we can accuse anybody of anything and we're not going to really have much repercussion. So we have to be grounded in the spirit uh, when when we're posting things, you know, and I'm not here to, to be the old guy that's, you know, saying do this and don't do that on social media, but it, it is important. It is important. Um, and so they entered this alternate covenant and this alternate covenant can only be revoked by the spirit, right? That's the only way the alternate covenant can be revoked is by the spirit. Uh, works of the flesh can't kill the flesh, I want to say that again. Works of the flesh can't kill the flesh. That's not how things are set up, right? Uh, we can't kill it by willpower, trying harder, working harder, doing more. We can't kill it by moral ascension, right? Uh, sometimes we make uh, our relationship with Christ and uh, Christianity, we make it about, you know, becoming a better person, doing more good. And we think if we have higher morals than, you know, we're, we're on the right path, but that's not what kills the flesh. It's only the spirit putting to death the flesh. And we can't kill the flesh with self-righteousness, you know, comparing ourselves to others and saying, well, you know, I'm bad, but yeah, that guy's worse. Um, that's not how it works, you know. The, the flesh is put to death by the spirit. The flesh is put to death by surrender, right? Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus... Uh, you know, coming to earth, and uh, though being equal with God, he did, <clears throat> though being God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he humbled himself as a servant, and he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross, right? So it was um, surrender and humility that, uh, that Christ set forth the example for us in the death of the flesh. And so that's the only way that, that we can enter into that. If Christ purchased that for us through surrender and humility, the way that we receive it is in the same, through a spirit of humility, a spirit of surrender. The spirit takes us back to the original covenant, the covenant of life. And the, the beautiful thing about God is that uh, that under this covenant, right, is he... Uh, it's taking us by the Spirit from death, uh, death of the flesh, and He's bringing us to life in the Spirit. He does it through grace and peace, right? He doesn't do it by berating us. He doesn't do it by accusing us, by condemning us. He does it by a spirit of grace and peace. So it's like if you've ever seen in person or a movie, TV, uh, like a VIP motorcade, right? Uh, you've got a VIP motorcade. You've got two or three vehicles in the front. You've got the VIPs in the middle. Then you've got some vehicles in the back. And the vehicles in the front, the vehicles in the back are uh, escorts, and they're protecting uh, the VIP or the, the VIPs, right? And so we think of it like this, is the Spirit is growing us in righteousness, is the Spirit is bringing us to deeper uh, levels of life, in the Father, we've got grace that's that's out front, right? Those are the that's the front of the motorcade, uh, pulling the motorcade along, pushing the motorcade, uh, driving us forward. Is this uh, this gift of grace that God has for us? And then we've got peace behind us, protecting our rear, right? <clears throat> so when fear comes up, when anxiety comes up, 
when uh, the, the works of the flesh try to stir back up within us, we've got peace that's behind us, guarding us and protecting us. So anytime uh, in scripture that, that God calls us to a standard of righteousness, to a standard of living, uh, when he says, be holy as I am holy, um, he's not doing that to, to wave his finger at us. In fact, I would, I would say that when he says, be holy as I am holy, what he's doing is he's making a declaration over you that that's what he's going to do in your life, right? And so uh, how does he do it? He does it by grace and by peace. And he takes us from glory to glory, right? So in the spirit, it doesn't say that he's taking us from sin to glory. It doesn't say that he's taking us from a place of dysfunction to glory. He starts what? With glory, right? That's, what, <laughs> that's how the Father sees you. In Christ, he sees you as glory. Now, he's taking you to, a, to another level of glory, absolutely. Uh, but, man, let, let, let that kind of... Uh, work in your mind and in your heart a little bit that when when God the Father sees you in the Spirit He always starts with glory always starts with glory so the Spirit brings life and the Spirit also confirms our identity uh, we have an identity of favor, an identity of freedom and an identity of family um, the identity of favor um, favor sometimes, like when I first uh, started learning uh, more about the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, uh, and, the, and the idea of favor, um, for me, I, I kind of viewed favor as like something that God would dole out here and there as he wanted on some people. And it's like, well, you know, that person has more favor than me, so I must be doing something wrong. Or why can't I have the favor that this person is, is having? And, and really, that's going back to a work of the flesh, right? Uh, jealousy, accusation, condemning. Um, their life is so easy because they have all this favor, you know. Uh, that's devil talk there. <laughs> that's, that's the alternate covenant, not the covenant of life. Um, but, but what I think, and, and I've learned a lot from uh, uh, a teacher named Graham Cook, who I really like, he ministers to me. And, and he talks about favor, and he says, you know, that, that ultimately our favor is based uh, on our relationship with Jesus and his relationship with the Father, right? Uh, scripture tells us, uh, the Gospel of John, that um, Jesus is in the Father and Jesus is in us. Uh, and so favor is that Jesus is in us, right? So if you have Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus living in you, you have favor, yes. right? So it's not about our performance, it's about our relationship. Uh, so all of us have favor, over our lives, all of us have favor in our lives. And favor isn't an absence of hardship either, you know. Sometimes we look for favor to be our get-out-of-jail-free card, right, to escape the hardships and the struggles of life. Uh, but what favor does, it doesn't get us out of the hardships, but it actually allows us to grow in the hardships. It allows us to prosper in the hardships. It allows us to bear fruit in and out of season. You know, my, my background uh, growing up is with agriculture, uh, primarily farming. I uh, grew up farming, farming cotton. And uh, an interesting thing about cotton is that it, it needs heat to produce fruit, right? That's the way it produces fruit is, is through heat. 
And so, yeah, it needs water, it needs uh, nutrients, it needs all those other things, absolutely, but it needs heat to do what it's designed to do. I remember, I think it was about 2009, two, 2008 maybe, um, and I was still uh, farming some with, with my dad at, at that time, and um, like the spring was great, had good rain, the summer was great, and then like mid-August to into September, it just started raining a lot. It was like, you know, a high of 80, 85 degrees, cloudy, raining all the time, which, you know, for us is great. Uh, but that year, um, starting out, the crop looked really good. But then when it started raining and there wasn't much heat, the, the, the plant grew, the plant looked impressive, it looked good, but it didn't have much fruit, right? So that can happen in our lives too, right? We can look impressive, we can grow when circumstances are going well. Um, we can appear and even have the uh, illusion ourselves that we're growing. Um, but if fruit isn't being produced, uh, you know, we're falling short of, of what the, the Father has for us and what he's invited us to. So sometimes we need the heat uh, to produce the fruit. Spirit also confirms our identity as an identity of freedom in him, right? We, got, we have freedom from fear, freedom from the law, freedom from sin. That's what he has for us. That's what he's inviting us to, right? Uh, Paul says here in, in Romans chapter 8 that we're, we're, we're free from the consequences of the law. We're free from consequences of fear. We're free from the consequences of sin. Fear is something myself that, that I, I battle and struggle with uh, quite often, you know. Um, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 19, it says, uh, that uh, we are slaves to whatever has mastery over us, right? And so uh, if we're a slave to fear, that means it has mastery over us. That means that, that fear is dictating what we do and don't do rather than the Spirit of God living in us. That means um, fear is, is how we make our decisions, not God. And the thing about fear it will give us the illusion of security. It will give us the illusion that we're in control. It will give us the illusion that uh, the things are, are going to go as we want because, uh, you know, we're not going to do this because we're afraid or we're going to do this because we're afraid. Um, but really what fear does is it takes, right? Uh, it takes from us joy. It takes from us boldness. It takes from us courage. Uh, it takes from us the the... Uh, the fruit of the Spirit that God is wanting to work and, and bring about in us. And so um, we have freedom from fear in the Spirit. We also have an identity in the Spirit of family. Um, our oldest daughter, Harper, she's uh, adopted. And uh, just an awesome story of how God did that and how he, he brought that about. And... Uh, we were, you know, there when she was born. We were in the hospital room, and uh, we actually had had some conversations with, with Harper's birth mom before adoption on, on the phone. And uh, she was telling us that uh, one of the reasons she, she wanted to, to place Harper for adoption is because she herself didn't have a father, and she wanted Harper to have a father, right? 
Um, come on. And so, uh, you know, when Harper came into our family, you know, I became a father. But I also became more than a father. I became her daddy, right? Father is, is a level of relationship for sure. But uh, daddy is a deeper level. And so the Spirit is inviting us to call the father, Abba, to call him daddy, to walk in that intimacy with him, to walk in that sense of being connected and flourishing in season and out of season. You know, that's how we flourish in, in season and out of season. When the heat comes, we flourish because we look to Abba. We look to him for the resources. We look to him for the provisions. Um, you know, as we call him Abba, he's going to make some declarations over our life as well. You know, I look in the book of, of Judges and, and Gideon, and I love the story of Gideon. And the story of Gideon starts out with uh, Gideon. Uh, he's down in this olive press threshing wheat, right? Uh, separating the wheat from the chaff. Well, really... If you're going to effectively separate wheat from chaff, you should be out like on level ground um, and uh, out in the open so that the wind can come and, and blow away the, the wheat from the chaff. Well, the, uh, the Midianites had been coming and doing all these raids against the Israelites. And so out of fear, Gideon was down in this hole in the ground. But what did God, God didn't say, um, you know, get out of there. He didn't condemn him. He didn't shame him. Uh, God actually <laughs> called him a mighty warrior. So like Gideon's crouched down in this hole uh, trying to stay out of danger and God says, you're a mighty warrior. Uh, and he does the same thing to us, right? When we're in his family, uh, he's going to make some declarations over your life like Pastor Josh was talking about earlier. He's going to make declarations over your life that Maybe it doesn't line up exactly with what you're doing now. It may not line up with reality as you see it now, but he's making a declaration over your life. Because he's Abba, because we call him Abba, he's going to call us some things back. Uh, man, I love that. The Spirit is also our inheritance. Um, what's the inheritance that we have because of the work of Christ, the Spirit of God living within us? Um, and because the Spirit lives within us, um, every affection that the Father has for Jesus, He has for you. Everything that the Father spoke about Jesus, He speaks over you. Everything that the Father uh, desires to see happen in the life of Jesus, He desires to see happen in you. Every resource that Jesus had to fulfill the things that God placed in his hands, he has for you. Because Jesus lives in the Father, because he lives in you, uh, God looks at you like he looks at the Son. And he declares things over us that he declared over his Son. What did he say when Jesus was baptized? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What's he declaring over you today? This is my beloved daughter, this is my beloved son in whom I am well placed. Let's say that again. This morning he's saying to you, just pause and just listen to him. Beloved daughter, beloved son, I am well pleased with you. 
It's not the old covenant. It's not the alternate covenant that Adam and Eve entered in with where the enemy says uh, God is ashamed of us. God is disappointed in us. God is punishing us. Uh, He's speaking uh, blessing over you. The interesting thing here at the at the end of this chapter, or at the end of this passage in verse 17, talks about you know that we're uh, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. But the the key to that, I believe, is the the last little uh, phrase there, where it says that uh, that it's an inheritance secured and received received through suffering, right? Um, you know, in, in the in the world, uh, in the in the in the physical, you receive an inheritance through a will or through something like that. Uh, in the spiritual, we receive. It would seem to indicate here the inheritance that God has through us through through suffering. Um, and not that we seek suffering, not that we go out and pursue suffering, but the the idea is that uh, that suffering. Uh, it brings us, hopefully, to a place of surrender, to a place of, of openness to the, the things of God. You know, and it's like a plant. Uh, if you have a tree in your backyard, uh, as the tree puts roots down into the ground, it's going to take up the nutrients that are in the soil, right? That's what trees do. And so uh, as we uh, encounter the hardships of life and you know, 2020 for a lot of people has been, you know, hard. We've seen all the memes. We've seen all the the, the, the things about that. Um, but the, the truth is, what if 2020 is the, the, the year for the greatest spiritual growth of your life? What if that's what God is declaring over you? Not a year of loss, not a year of things being taken away, not a year of disappointment, but a year of growth and flourishing. So, so going back to the tree, right? As the tree puts roots down into the ground, it takes up the nutrients. It takes up what's ever in the ground around it, right? So if for some reason there's poison in the ground, it's going to take up that poison and the tree's going to die. The same is true for us, right? As we put roots down, uh, as we suffer, we're going to put roots down. The question is, what are we going to take up? Are we going to take up bitterness? Are we going to take up anger? Are we going to take up jealousy? Or are we going to take up the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The Spirit living within us, the Spirit of God living within us, it allows us to reframe suffering as something uh, that is beneficial for us, yeah. not as punishment, not as condemnation. Um, and it allows us to, um, to say, uh, Father, what are you wanting to add to my life through this? In this season, what are you wanting to add to my life? That's what God loves to do with us. He loves to give things, right? Um, sometimes we think of sanctification in the terms of, well, this is all the stuff God's wanting to take away from me. God's wanting to take away anger. God's wanting to take away this. God's wanting to take away fear. Um, 
But what if God's saying, yeah, those things don't really have a place in your life, but what I'm wanting to do in your life is add things, right? And as those things are added, as the fruit of the Spirit is added, those other things begin to disappear. Um, I loved what, what Pastor Josh uh, said earlier when, when he came up here about the, the word that God may have for us, uh, that that God may have spoken a, a word over us in the past that we need for this season or that we need in a season to come. And, you know, it's, uh, this is something else I've learned from, from Graham Cook is that uh, promises carry us to the provision, right? That's what, that's what promises do. When he's spoken a word over us in the past, when he's made a declaration over us, uh, that's, that promise is what carries us to the provision that God has for us. When Gideon... Uh, was was uh, being obedient to the Lord and his army kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, it was the promise of God that carried him to victory. It was the promise of God that allowed him to walk in obedience, even though it seemed completely contrary to uh, what a, a, an army general would do. You would think you'd want to get more and more resources in a bigger army, God was saying, get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So maybe in, in 2020 for, for us, and I'm not trying to downplay suffering. I'm not trying to downplay hardship. But maybe part of what God's doing in 2020 is taking some things away from us, right? And some things that we've held on to are getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. That doesn't mean that the promise and the declaration that God made over you in the past isn't going to come to be. It could just be that, that uh, in, in this season of suffering, uh, he's wanting to pour out more of the inheritance for you, more of the Spirit. The Spirit is our inheritance. We receive it through suffering.